All right, so we are in the, the season of Advent, and so this is the second weekend of Advent, and Advent is the four weekends leading up to Christmas, and Christmas is the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And Jesus is the, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lamb of God. And so he is the new beginning, a new beginning for each one of us and a new beginning at the same time for all of creation. So in this week of Advent, we're going to be doing something a little bit different in that we're going to be or I'm going to be talking about um, some of the reasons why Jesus needed to come. We're going to press into the darkness that we experience. We're going to press into our lament, the things that make us sad, the, the reason that Jesus needed to show up. And we're going to be asking a very simple question, a biblical question that I think all of us ask at some point in time. And that question is this. How long, O oh Lord? How, how long, O oh Lord, when we know people who are sick or have died of cancer, we just see death? When we wrestle with addiction, when we see poverty, as we have watched as Russia bombs Ukraine nonstop over and over and over again. Here recently, a friend texted me and said, did you know that in the last seven days there have been seven mass shootings in America? How long, O oh Lord? A friend of mine, some time ago, he was saved in the Jesus movement. The Jesus movement was a bunch of hippies that got saved in the 60s and 70s. And he had told me that one of the things that really motivated them was they really had the understanding that Jesus was going to be coming back. Uh, before they were gone, the idea was that, you know, before they were, you know, dead, that Jesus was going to come back. And I remember him telling me that he actually was standing in a grocery line with somebody and he just turned around and said, hey, do you want to get saved because Jesus is going to come back? So you might as well give your life to Christ right now. And I'm not sure what happened. And so this whole motivation uh, because Jesus was coming back. And I remember him telling me that. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know if I really want Jesus to come back yet. Because there's so much left for me to do and I want to do all these things. And as a young believer, I was like, I want to, there's so much that I want to do. Um, but then now as I've followed Christ for 25 years and I'm older now, um, you know, I, I'm like, Jesus, I'm ready for you to come back. I think it would be wonderful. And we ask, you know, how, how long, how long, oh Lord? How long? And so when we look around and we see all these issues and we ask, you know, what is the answer to these issues? And, and, and we try to come up with solutions. Uh, is the right political party the answer to all of these issues? No. Is more money the answer to all of these issues? Uh, in some ways it helps and in some ways money hurts. Better medical care. Is that the, uh, you know, what's going to resolve all of these things? Yes and no. Bigger armies, better technology, uh, more information. And we keep trying over and over to make the earth a better place. And in many ways, we have. We've made it fantastic. We're all sitting in nice seats and the heater's on. And we all drive cars and all these things. We're making the earth a better place. But we're always reminded at the same time that there's just things that are wrong. There's things we can't fix. Constantly being reminded that we live in a uh, broken creation. 
And so this morning also what we're going to do is four people are going to be reading little excerpts, prayers for us. And so I'll call out your name and, and then you can just stand up and read loud and proud. And so Tim, if you want to stand up and read the first reading for us. So what is God's answer to a broken creation? And as we celebrate in Advent, the answer to that is Jesus, the Messiah. That is his answer. And so in the book of Isaiah uh, 40, verses 1 through 11, it says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. Oh, sorry, guys. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the uh, towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And so when we look at scripture, when we look at the Old Testament, when we look at Isaiah, over and over and over, one conclusion, the answer to all the things that we see that trouble us is the Messiah. Where is our hope? It's in Jesus. He is the one that makes things right. And so when we look in the Old Testament, they're constantly longing for the Messiah, the Messiah, the one who will come and will make everything right. And we see this with Jesus' birth, and we see the three wise men. And they're out and about doing what it is that they do, and they're waiting for a sign. They're waiting for a sign, for the chosen one, the Messiah to come. And if they weren't waiting for him, then they wouldn't have seen the sign. They wouldn't have recognized it, but they were waiting for him because their hope was in the Messiah. And in another example, in the beginning of Luke, we have Simeon and Anna. And it reads... Like this, Luke uh, 2, 25 through 26. Now there was a man uh, in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So that's Simeon, and here's uh, Anna. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until, the, until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So here you have these two people in the, in the temple, and Anna, she's been there for who knows how long, right? She's been there a long time, and she's fasting and praying, and, and they see Jesus. And they're waiting for him. <clears throat> This is who they're waiting for, the chosen one, because they have all these things. They're suffering all these things, and their answer is in what? It's in the Messiah. And so when you think about what is the answer to your pain, what is the answer to your pain, to your frustrations? What is it that you long to see happen? And we ask the question, how long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? Scott? So when you grieve for all that you see or all the things that you wrestle with, where do you put your hope? Where is your hope? What are you hoping for? The three wise men, Simeon and Anna, they understood that their hope was in the Messiah. And they also understood that there's a bigger, bigger story going on. That there's this story when you read through scripture, good versus evil. And when you read through scripture, you see this bigger picture of death versus life. And that people's eternities hang in the balance. And when we see all the suffering that goes on, and we see the suffering that we all have in our own lives as well, we long for justice. We would long for things to be made right. We know that these things aren't okay. And we want justice. I mean, I think... Just even, you know, and I brought it up earlier, the idea of watching just some of the news coverage, the things that are going on in Ukraine, and you're seeing that missiles hitting apartment buildings, and, and they're just, like, shooting missiles into cities. They're not even just, like, shooting at military people. They're just shooting at civilians, and civilians are dying. And we know that it's wrong, and we want justice. We're like, this is not okay. And so we ask the question again, like, how long, O oh Lord? How long? We want justice. Habakkuk is another uh, prophet in the Old Testament, and he... He says this, and, and I really appreciate it. I mean, one of the things I really appreciate about Scripture, it can, get, it can get pretty raw sometimes. Some people really, like, share their emotions with, with God, which I encourage you to do 
uh, as well. Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4, it says this, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. It can feel that way sometimes. Whether it's personally, and I'm wrestling with things that I've wrestled with for God knows how long, and I seem not to be able to get traction on, or you're watching things unfold in different parts of the world where you're like, how long, O oh Lord? How long? It seems like, how do these people continue to get away with these things? We want justice. Justice. So where is God's justice? God's justice is in the newborn king, Jesus. But he's different, and he's unlike all other kings, and, and unlike all other people in power, and that his, his power isn't in armies, but his power is in grace, and mercy, and kindness, and healing, and righteousness, and in love, that he loves us unconditionally. He loves everyone unconditionally. It's tough, right? I mean, that's, that's really like wild that he loves everyone unconditionally. Michael? So when we long for this justice and we see these things that aren't as they should be and we know they're not as they should be. When you're walking around, I'm driving here today and, and it's raining and you're looking out there and you see all these people with all their tarps all over them and everything they own is covered in tarps. You're like, how long, oh Lord? And how do we, how do we solve that? How long, oh Lord? And we want justice for them. And so God, in God's justice is Jesus. And in God's justice, in Jesus, we have many things, but just two of them I'll, I'll highlight today. In Christ, we have salvation and we have invitation. And so in salvation, God brings Christ, Christ comes down and Christ is born and he dies and he's resurrected. And so we have the opportunity to be saved, that we can be born again, that we can be born from death into life. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, meaning that any, every one of us was born into death, born into sin. And so the only way to get around that and to become born again is to become saved in Christ, to say, yes, I want to follow you, to give my life to you. 
And so we are born again. So we have salvation in him. And then at the same time, we have invitation. So we have salvation and we have invitation. And we're invited in to participate with him in this justice. Then he invites us in. He invites us into the pain that here we are, that we suffer and we're frustrated by everything that's going on. But then we become born again. We're new creatures, new creation. And then not only that, just individually, we're, we're the body of Christ. That together we're the family of Christ. Then he invites us in to actually do something about the things that we see. Because remember, right, like I just said, that we are the church. We are the body of Christ. I remember one time, uh, I've shared the story before, we were at, in an apartment building, my wife and I, and um, there was a single mom, and she lived just downstairs from her side. I saw her every once in a while, she would you know, come in with her kids and all that stuff, and I was just praying, I was like, Lord, would you please help this woman out? And so I said that prayer several times, saw her coming in and out, and I'm like, Lord, would you please help this woman out? You know, like, she needs your help. And God told me, as plain as day, I heard his voice. He said, that's why I have you here. For you to be a blessing. You are my body, here and now. You are my representative. You are my church. You are my hands and my feet. That God invites us into participating in this justice that where we see wrongs that we can do our best to try and make them right and for most of us we try to insulate ourselves from the pain of the world that it's hard to see we can turn off the news if we don't like the news we can when we're coming out of Costco and we see that person standing there with a sign we can just look away and drive away we can turn up the heater, turn down the AC. We try to insulate ourselves from being frustrated or being uncomfortable. But when we look at the history of the church, one of the things that the church has done is the church has actually inserted itself into the pain. Just like when Christ comes, he inserts himself into the pain of the world to give us his blessing, the church has historically inserted, inserted itself into the pain. I mean, one of the things that we were able to do in Ukraine, even none of us went, you know, but because Tony and Kathy had friends who were there, we were able to give finances for them to be able to help out refugees. Because the church that was there, those are our brothers and our sisters, that they were there. And so we were able to send them money so that they could buy books, they could buy clothing, they could do all those things because the, the church, again, has historically placed itself at the center of the pain. So we're saved, we have salvation, and then we also have invitation, that we're invited into the pain of others and, and to work out the justice of God with other people. So when we think about, like, how long, O oh Lord... It's not just us that we're thinking about, but we are thinking about other people. And even though we're hurting and even though we're frustrated, we can still be a blessing to other people. And as anyone knows that's ever helped out anyone, it's always a huge blessing to be a blessing. Always. And these are choices that we make to be a blessing to other, other people. So... We obey Jesus' invitation to participate in his redemptive work now. Because in reality, when people who don't know Christ 
um, and they're wondering, I, I wonder what uh, God looks like, or I wonder what the kingdom of God actually looks like. They should be able to look to us and say, like, oh, okay, well, hold on. I know a group of people that actually like represent the kingdom of God. They represent God here and now, and, and they're loving and they're kind and they work for good. That we are God's representatives here and now. One time, um, all my kids, they go or went to public school. And um, that was a decision we made as parents because we're like, you know, we want our kids to go to public school because for a couple reasons. One, we want to help them navigate life in the here and now. And uh, when they come home, we want to be able to have conversations with them at the dinner table about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And we have accomplished that because we've talked a lot about sex, drugs, and rock and roll at the dinner table, which is good because we wanted to help, wanted to be able to help them to navigate those things and what it meant to live in the world and, and navigate those things as people who follow Jesus. And so at one point in time, um, one, of my, one of my kids had a, a friend who was, they were living in a hotel and going to school and um, were eating essentially, I, I don't know, Cheetos and Pepsi. And we said, well, why don't you have her come and live with us for a period of time? And so she came and she lived with us and we had talked about like, well, what if we adopted her or how can we help out? And, and uh, we were doing our best to try and navigate this whole relationship we had with her and her, her mom. And it was very difficult. It was really hard. It was really heartbreaking in so many different ways. Um, it was a challenge for us as a family. We had to have some really hard conversations um, about how to just navigate that season of life. And then in the end, uh, it didn't work out. And in the end, she and her mom decided that her being there wasn't okay. And that there were issues of jealousy and frustration and all of that. But we, you know, invited her to come into our home. We tried to, as best we could, insert ourselves into the pain and the suffering of what we saw someone else going through. Because we know that we have been saved, and at the same time, we have this salvation, and we also have this invitation to help others. And that's something that I've taken very seriously in my life, in that uh, knowing where I've come from, um, I am still so blessed that Jesus has saved me. I've never, I, to this day, uh, it has not grown old of where I was at living in Tiger Field um, in a, basically a laundry room and Jesus saved me and that I um, have for the rest of my life wanted to try and be a blessing to other people. So what are ways God is using you to share his justice with, with others? And so here's just some simple ways. I'm a pretty practical guy. One of the things uh, that Linda and I do is that we always carry uh, our clean socks and granola bars in our car. Uh, because here's just the tip. I'm going to give you guys uh, super 101, helping other people out. Uh, generally, if you give people cash, you're not helping them out. Just an FYI. So if you see someone, you're like, hey, here's 100 bucks. More than likely, they're not going to go get, like, fruits and vegetables, okay? Um, 
But you can carry around socks and you can carry around granola bars. And so people who live on the streets, they call clean socks freshies. Like, hey, would you like some freshies? And here's a clean sock. People love clean socks and granola bar. Here's a granola bar, right? Genuinely asking someone how they're doing. This is something um, I, I love Costco. Um, I think many of you love Costco. Uh, it's a great place. And so you go out and as you're checking out, um, one of the things they have that person that is checking your receipt there and they tell you that they're checking just to make sure that you don't have doubles of anything and you're like no I, you know, I'm like no you're checking to see if I didn't steal anything um, and so they're checking your stuff and they always ask you they say oh hey how are you doing and I always say good how are you doing and do you know how many times the person there standing says I'm doing okay thank you so much for asking and I almost always ask doesn't everyone ask you how you're doing they say, no. What a simple thing. Just a simple thing to ask someone how, how they're doing. What if we've really asked other people how they're doing? Very simple. A very simple way to actually insert yourself into helping people out. That's not like a huge commitment or anything like that. So, we ask, how long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? And I know that, you know, in Christmas, we're, you know, generally talking about like, you know, oh, the cute little baby boy that was born in the manger. But the reality ends up being is that there's a reason <clears throat> that he had to come. And the reason that he had to come is the world is a messed up. And so to look into that and say, how long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? And so he sends his son that's born of a virgin, fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament, and that he is God's justice, making creation right again. And so until his second coming, we ask, how long, O oh Lord? And we're invited to be his body, his justice to a broken world. We are invited into that. Kylie, you want to read the... So when you see the things that frustrate you, the things that hurt you, when you see the injustices of the world, where are you putting your hope? Because our hope is in Christ. In the end, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, and he rules, and he's the king of all nations, and we are under his governance, it'll, it's always been about him. And in the end, it will be about him. And so now, when you're frustrated by the things that you're frustrated by, or you see the injustices all around the world, where are you putting your hope? And at the same time, how, how can you participate in God's justice? 
that Christ is God's justice and now we are his body, his people, his hands and his feet. And it doesn't have to be some grand thing. Again, you know, here I'm talking about like Russia and all of these things, but at the same time it can be small acts of kindness, socks, asking someone genuinely how they're doing today and meaning it and actually taking time to sit there to where if they actually were going to respond that you actually have a moment to listen. So unbelievably practical. Any one of us can do that. So how long, O Lord? And that we're incredibly thankful that we are his church, his people, and that we are saved and that he loves us. So we're going to take communion. We do this each Sunday. Um... The cracker represents Christ's body, which was broken for us, in that we all have broken bodies, and Christ came down without sin and allowed his body to be broken for us, and then was resurrected on the third day, and that we too one day will be a part of the resurrection of the dead. The wine represents his blood, which is poured out for all of our sins, past, present, and future sins, that before him, if we are in Christ, that we, he sees us as sinless, that he sees his son's righteousness upon us, and that we are set free from the power of sin if we are in Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus, or if you would like to start following Jesus today, then communion is open to you. The way that we do it is everyone comes down the center aisle that would like to participate in communion. You grab a piece of the cracker, you dip it into the wine, and then you go around the sides, and then we'll all hold on to the elements together, uh, and then we will participate in communion together. So if you would like to come and take communion, please do.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming. Coming down to a broken creation. And we do ask, how long, O Lord? How long? Thank you for the gift of salvation. That in you we are new creations. And that you see us as being righteous because of what you've done. Thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over us as we leave. If you did want prayer for anything, I'd love to pray for you. You can come down here after the service and lay hands on you and pray for you. I'll pray for you for anything that you feel like you just need traction on, whether it's emotionally, um, relationally, whatever it is. Maybe something came up during the service and you just want someone to lay hands on you and pray for you. I'd love for you to come down and for us to pray for you. And if not, then, uh, yeah, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you have given us the gift of salvation, that you have conquered sin and death, that we now are your body, and that one day we will be a part of the resurrection of the dead, and that we will be with you on the new earth and the new heaven. Until then, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us, uh, that you would fill us, that uh, we would know your love and that we would know it deeply. We would know that we are loved unconditionally, that there's nothing we can do to make you love us more or less. You just love us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you empower us to be able to go out and do acts of kindness, to do acts of justice uh, in your name, and that we would help to demonstrate your redemption to a broken creation? And so we thank you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want to pray for anything, please come on up.